You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is a wonderful Monday, and I hope everybody's doing well. I'm kind of in a weird nam packing slash prepping mode right now. It's, uh, it's what, it's, yeah, like I said, it's Monday. This episode's going to drop today, so yeah, that's accurate. I can still say that statement. Uh, anyway, I'm getting ready to fly out to Nashville on Wednesday for Summer Nam. and if any of you listening happen to be out there, be sure to look me up, shoot me messages and all that stuff so we can meet up and say hi and talk about fuzz pedals and all that good stuff. So yeah, Summer Nam is upon us. I'm excited to see what everybody's bringing out. Should be a really, really fun time. Um, I'm very, very excited for this year. I've heard, I've heard some rumblings. We'll see if they, see if they turn out to be true. But regardless, if you're going to be in Nashville this week for Nam, please do look me up. That's all I ask. Just look me up. I'm around. Okay, a little more official business before we get into the episode proper. So, first of all, I know I said it last week, but if you were planning on coming out to the Fear the Riff Expo in Brooklyn, as uh, announced on this podcast here several times, stop. Stop. Don't book your tickets. Unfortunately, the Fear the Riff Expo has been canceled this year. Uh, I don't know all the details behind it, but apparently they they just had some things happen and they weren't able to weren't able to close the deal this year. So no more Fear the Riff Expo for 2019, which is a major bummer. I know there were so many of you planning on coming. I was really really excited to go eat some real New York pizza with all the tone mobbers, but you know sometimes life just deals us the cards and we just have to play them. So unfortunately, there is no Fear the Riff Expo this year. So I'm probably going to announce that a couple more times before the actual event proper because not everybody listens to every episode and I don't want anybody who's booked a flight to show up thinking there's going to be something when there's not. So the Fear the Riff Expo is over. Okay. So yes, I'm sad and we're all crying, but that is the harsh reality that we're living in. I know it's trying times. I'm struggling with it too, but uh, I think as with most first world problems, we'll probably be just fine at the end of the day. But keep your eyes peeled to their socials, and I'll definitely keep you guys clued in if anything moves forward on that front or they get something else going. They're they're talking about a lot of different options right now, so I will keep you posted. Another thing I'd like to remind everyone about is if you like this show, if you appreciate the programming if you want it to keep coming and all that good stuff and you would like to support the show in a way that you know you're already you know you're probably already participating in you all you have to do is go to tonemob.com reverb for all of your reverb purchasing needs so reverb.com i'm sure you've heard of it if you have not heard of it it's a great place to buy sell trade all that stuff uh, online exclusive for musicians. If you haven't heard of Reverb.com by now and you're listening to this podcast, I'm I'm astonished, but it's also a good thing because if you're looking to help out the show, all you need to do is go over and sign up for a Reverb.com account through that link, ToneMob.com slash Reverb. That's ToneMob.com slash Reverb. There's a lot of people who message me, what was that link again? That's the link, ToneMob.com Slash reverb. Now I know why all those old timey commercial guys always just repeated themselves over and over and over again. You think that everyone's going crazy, uh, <laughs> but that is the link. If you you know if you do anything through that link, anything at all that you would do on Reverb.com, if you're looking to sell a pedal, 
Aya pedal, whatever it happens to be. Uh, that's a great place to go, and a small percentage of that comes back and helps keep the show going. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. It doesn't add something to your card. It doesn't do anything weird. All it does is takes a small percentage of that portion and kicks it this way as long as you use that link. So tonemob.com slash reverb is the spot for all of that. Okay. One last thing, and I usually save this for the outros, but it's been a long time since I put it in an intro, so here you go. If you've been enjoying this show, if you've gotten anything out of it, if it's just something you look forward to every week, and you know some other guitar players that maybe could get something out of it, please share this with them. Uh, if you could tell them in person, that's always the best, but you know, you can tweet at people or share on your personal Facebook or wherever. If this shows, uh, if this shows something you enjoy, please share it with a friend, family, coworker, brother-in-law, cousin, anybody who you think might enjoy it. Please share it with them. Uh, this thing just keeps growing, and it's all because of you folks doing that. And it's just been kind of crazy to see. And I, I really, really appreciate everyone that has taken the time to share this show with somebody or tell a friend. And it's, it's just been, it's been fantastic. So thank you very much. And if you can, can just continue to do that, that's one of the biggest things you can do for the show. And obviously, that's an easy free thing that that everyone can do. So thank you all to everyone who has shown somebody the show over the years. And then I'll shut up now so you can listen to the episode that you came here to hear. Here is Rocky from the band Mercy Union, who I highly recommend listening to, of course, after you're done with this episode. Fire up your favorite service and listen to that band. They're a great, great band. And yeah, without further ado, on with the show. Enjoy this one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Rocky Catanese from the band Mercy Union. What's happening, man? Not much, man. Um, I'm pretty stoked to be here. I'm I'm pretty stoked to have you. Um, Man, we have kind of a funny, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. This is like one of those chicken or egg situations. I'm not yeah. sure how this how this happened. So maybe... Maybe I'll give my side and then you can give your side. My side of the story is uh, is kind of short, but I found your band a couple weeks ago. I don't know, maybe three, four weeks ago. And I was like, these guys, these guys rock like this is a great band. Uh, and I found them because of uh, something you mentioned in your email, which is Benny from Gaslight uh, plays drums in the band. I found mm-hmm. that via the wonderful world of Instagram. And then you reached out about something. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, dude, your band's good. Come on the show. And then here we are. Well, that I really appreciate that. Yeah, it was from my perspective, it was I was listening to the podcast a bunch. And then I kind of was like, man, I want to talk to Blake about gear because he seems like a real cool guy. And I, I, you know, I don't have anybody to really talk gear with on a regular basis who doesn't feel like. I'm boring them or as clueless as to what I'm talking about. So I just kind of shot an email being like, Hey man, I like the podcast and I, you know, I'm in this band with Benny and I know that you like gaslight and just wanted to know if you wanted to check out the record and talk here anytime. And I never anticipated actually doing the podcast. I was kind of just like, Hey, like maybe we can chat. 
Um, so it was really like I was kind of taken aback and it felt really nice to be asked to be here. So um, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, no, this is fun. I think this is a this will be a good conversation. And uh, we've talked a few times already. And so, I, you know, I can feel it out. I can tell what kind of podcast it's going to be. I feel like cool. this is going to be a, a great one. Oh, I'm so, going to try to deliver. Okay. All right. Well, this is your time to shine. This is this is where I'm I'm handing the floor to you with this question. So tell me about your musical backstory and how it got to you to where you are today and playing in this band. And it sounds like you got a lot more going on than even I know about. So let's let's hit all the highlights. Um, okay. So basic outline is uh, I was born and raised in New Brunswick, uh, New Jersey where a lot of bands from our state kind of got started. So like Lifetime, The Bouncing Souls, uh, Gaslight, Thursday, um, all kind of began playing basements and clubs in New Brunswick. Um, I was like 10 when Lifetime like broke up, essentially, I think. Uh, I'm born in 86. I think they stopped around 96. I forget. Um, so I was kind of clueless to a lot of what was going on, even up until like Thursday was starting and, you know, the souls were playing. It's like I those bands all came into my, uh, you know, awareness when I like was a teenager and they had all left New Brunswick. Um, so I kind of just looked at them as like the examples and like the proof that, you know, you could be in a band and like play cool shows and people would sing along and stuff. So I just started wanting to play in bands. Um, and I always loved music from an early age and, and my parents kind of realized that and indulged, you know, uh, my CD collection and then eventually buying me my first guitar. And, um, I started playing guitar around 12 and I haven't really looked back since. Um, so it's been like, you know, I don't know. When did I first start playing in bands? 2000, 2001. So it's been about 18, 19 years of playing in bands in different forms and uh, playing different instruments in bands. And um, uh, I was in a punk band called uh, Let Me Run. And we played with Gaslight um, about seven years ago. Uh, and they, the guys in the band had known, you know, Benny and Alex a lot um, from years prior. And uh, I was just kind of acquainted with them at that point. And uh, so that was, you know, and I had met Benny in passing, like at a random show in New Brunswick at this place called The Loft, because uh, his, you know, kind of stoner metal band was playing. Uh, and my friend was like, come see this band with me. And I was like, sure, whatever. You know, and I just was like, oh, hi, I'm Rocky. And then that was it. Um, and then uh, Jared, who was the singer of Mercy Union, um, let me run in his other band, the scandals we would play together a lot and we toured together. Um, and then we just kind of became really close friends and kind of had this, uh, arrangement that if we ever needed something, we could go to the other and say like, Hey, I need a bass player for three shows. Can you help out? Or I need a guitar player to fill in for this tour. Can you help out? Um, and it always kind of worked out that way. Like he played bass and let me run. I played guitar in the scandals for a tour. Like, and then when, um, he was kind of gearing up to do what became our record. I was kind of just get the same thing, you know, Hey man, if you need anything, I'm here for you. I gotcha. And he's like, well, I wanted you to play guitar. And I was like, sure. So we just started jamming, um, with, uh, Nick, our bass player and Benny and kind of 
working out the parts and getting the songs together. And uh, halfway through the record, we were like, you know what? This is kind of a, an actual band. So we kind of went from there being like, well, let's, let's, you know, focus on being a band and come up with a band name and put the record out under the band and like work on playing shows as the band. And um, it just kind of took off from there. Uh, and so like, a lot of what was before, you know, like I was at the time when the record started happening, I was doing my own project called Rocky in the Chapter. Um, and I was starting to feel kind of burnt out on being the lead singer because that was kind of my position for a long time. Um, and uh, I kind of wanted to retreat back into the the shadows a bit and just get to play with toys and keep my head down and sing some harmonies or something. Um, and uh so it kind of worked out that like I was kind of getting burnt out on that and I could take a step away from my own project and work with Jared a little bit more. And then Mercy Union kind of just took off over the last year um, where we've been touring more than I've ever really toured uh, consistently. And uh, people have really liked the record so far and things have been pretty good. So yeah, that's kind of like the general A to Z of me starting to play to here. So since it was kind of a... I don't know, like, I guess you said like halfway through the record is when it became a real band. Is this all kind of shocking to like, wow, this is this is the band that that I'm really doing the thing I want to do with or or is it or is it kind of to be expected as far as your journeys played out? Um, I mean, like at this point, I don't expect really anything. It's kind of like uh, everything's been so surprising in good and bad ways for the longest time, like. My my band when I was eighteen was like packing our local club like down the street from my house and kids around here sang all the, like would sing along and we had like a pretty cool little following and I thought at that time like that's gonna be my band you know it's like I started this band you know I sing in this band this is this is my band and within like a year or two after leaving high school I, that band was done you know um, and we never put out a full length we never we didn't we never did half the things that like a band you know would want to do or should do um so yeah like walking into this project like i've kind of gotten conditioned to being like you take it as whatever it is at the moment so to me it was like i'm just gonna play guitar on this record and then literally like i played all of my parts in two days and then i had to go on tour to work for a band um so i left and then just kind of like anticipated jared showing me mixes um later on down the line and so it's like that's so crazy it's so it's so different than from what my process was like but i can i can see it too you just kind of you kind of have to do what you have to do especially yeah it it just kind of becomes like a you know you don't want to get your hopes up or like get too far ahead of yourself with like you know oh this band's gonna you know go from here to Madison square garden in a year. It's like, that's insane. You know, it's like, I remember listening to like a podcast or or like an interview with uh, Ben Gibbard. And he was kind of just like, yeah, you know, we started off just wanting to make a tape and then we just wanted to play a show. And then we just wanted to put out like a, a seven inch and then, you know, and then, you know, come today, it's like death cabs, you know, a legitimately, popular and long-standing band and it's and i think it's partly because of having those small goals and never and just kind of working consistently towards those small goals 
without ever kind of getting like too bogged down with the, you know, delusions of grandeur or whatever you want to call it. So like, you know, like I said, you know, coming into the record, I was like, well, I'll get to play guitar and just like get to like play leads, which I hadn't done in years. Um, Because in the Rocky and the Chapter, like the guitar players I had with me were arguably two of the best guitar players I had ever met. Um, (laughs) So it was kind of easy to be like, yeah, you guys take the guitar solo. Like you guys lead and I'll just play like chords and, you know, I don't have to do much. Um, And so it was kind of like, cool, like I'll get to play with more effects and I'll get to play with some more leads. And that was kind of the extent of my expectation. And then like when it got to be more like, yeah, we want to do this as a band. I was like, cool, like I'm in, you know, because I, I, you know, more than anything, I trust Jared and I have a respect for him as a songwriter that like. I knew we weren't going to be, you know, we wouldn't make a bad record. I knew that we wouldn't like go down a bad path um, and then getting to know Benny and Nick better and and learn how to play with them. And it became really like uh, an educational experience um, that I didn't really anticipate. And and now I'm like, well, yeah, this is our band. And like, I, I now know, like, I know how you sleep and I know how you eat your food and I know how you play that part every time. And I know like the <laughs> face you make when you play that part every time. So it's like, I, you know, it feels more band like than a bunch of the bands I had ever been in because we've spent a lot of time together and a lot of time playing together in a very short period of time. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's kind of weird, like a band dynamic, you know, my, my band dynamics have always been, this is my group of friends and this is kind of what we're interested in. It's, it's interesting how a lot of people, it's like, we're looking for a drummer. Can you play drums? Okay. We're, you're in the band now. And it's kind of this weird, uh, it's kind of a weird thrusting together of personalities by necessity in a lot of ways. Yeah, Uh, yeah, for sure. But it's weird how it it works itself out. I mean, uh, back when we were teenagers, my, you know, he's my, one of my best friends now, Mr. Uh, Justin Porter. He's been on the show a couple of times. We weren't really friends at first. Uh, We were just, you know, uh, we had a mutual friend and he was like, Hey, he plays guitar and I, I at the time quote unquote played drums. I didn't. It was I had I owned drums. I didn't know what I was doing with them. I mean, owning drums when you're a teenager is pretty much equal to playing drums. Like I'll just <laughs> say that flat. Because the amount of like because I remember like in a very similar situation, like I didn't really know my friend Mike Drew, who ended up playing in bands with me for 10 years. Um, like I didn't know him and and I got to high school and like I kind of like had met one of his friends and we talked about music and then that friend introduced me to him and we talked about music and then we like jammed a couple times and then it wasn't until like a couple years later that we like started just writing songs constantly and like trying out anybody who had a drum set or anybody who had a bass or a PA, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, like who can we get that will actually like help us make a band? It doesn't really matter who they are. It's weird how that and everybody kind of has that. And it's always just like looking around for the guy or the person who knows the guy or or whatever. Like it's it's such a strange thing how we all have such similar. It's it's almost like it's almost like you could go from one city to another and find the same guy like, oh, you're the you're the PA kid. You're yeah, the drummer. No. 
for sure and it's and i don't know about you but like i've also found that like coming from you know the punk or indie rock or you know emo scene that i did um you know we're kind of conditioned to be like fairly polite and fairly humble and fairly like non-intrusive uh at least I was like, I always felt very shy and I didn't want to bother anybody. So like the old standard of like, Oh, we saw that singer. And then we decided like, you're going to quit your band and join our band. Like that never crossed my mind. I was like, well, you know, he's already playing in a band. And so we can't really ask him, but maybe if like they stop playing, maybe we can ask him to play drums or I don't know. <laughs> and it's like, I probably would have like done way better as a younger person. Had I just been like, no, 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 no. Your band is not that great. You should play in my band. It might have it might have uh took things in a different direction. I'm I'm almost positive of that. Oh yeah, for sure. So one thing you mentioned in your your, your first email was and I didn't I didn't ask you about it because I purposely wanted to elaborate on it here. You said you've become kind of the uh the token gear guy in your group for lack of a better term and are starting to infect the rest of the, the band. Is that an accurate statement or did I read more into that than? than um, that's pretty accurate in a certain way. Like, especially with guitar gear for sure. Um, when I met Jared, he was like a guitar into tuner into amp person. Like he was like, no effects, hated it, like thought it was dumb. And now like he's gone on like tears where he just buys pedals and tries different things out. And I've like, helped him wire up a pedal board like more than once. Um, and we like go back and forth. Literally he, he called me yesterday just to like go over what power supply outlet should be to what pedal. And, you know, um, but that's been kind of like my position for a while because like, I kind of realized I'm not ever going to be like the shredder, you know, virtuoso guitar player. Um, so I should be very, or at least somewhat knowledgeable about the other stuff with guitar. Like how do I create space? How do I make an atmosphere? How do I make something melodic? How do I fix my stuff? How do I, you know, get an effect to do what I want it to do? How do I make my guitar sound the way I want it to sound um, through, you know, pedals and different amps and different pickups and stuff like that. So it kind of just like sent me down a rabbit hole of like, I know I can, figure this stuff out because it's more like intellectual um the playing part is more physical and it's hard to train my mind and body to like work together in that way um and not to say like i haven't improved as a guitar player over the last you know 10 years but like it's been i've definitely become way more knowledgeable about gear and been able to to share that knowledge and that interest with like my bandmates more often than not. Um, I was actually with one of the guys who played in the chapter last night and we talked about like where our pedal boards were when we started playing as that band. And essentially my pedal board when we started that band was a kind of simpler version of what I'm using now. Like just basically like less elaborate, but it's the same kind of size. And his pedal board was like a microamp a carbon copy and a Dynacomp. And like by halfway through that band, he was like buying and flipping pedals like every other day. And like 
his pedal board never looked the same between two practices, let alone two shows. Like <laughs> it was like we it was definitely like we all infected each other with like, well, now I'm going to buy this. Now I'm going to try this. Now I'm going to buy this. Now I'm going to try this. And, you know, it's it's gotten to a point now where I'm just like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to keep like whenever I have money, I'm just going to buy something and just like try it out and put it on the shelf and then use it in the studio or, you know. And then like purge a bunch if I really don't like them or don't use them. But like, you know, I, I've just resigned to the fact that like, I just want to try everything. And if I can afford it at the moment, I'm going to do it. I like your style. I like your style. That's, that makes me feel, you know, less weird with my gear well, yeah. thing. You know, it's okay. It's fine. It's part of the I, reason why I wanted to be here, Blake. Like I, I figure that you would understand the plight of my brain where like, I'm like, you know what? I have everything I need. And then something comes up and I'm like, you know what? I kind of need that. You know, it's like, it just changes immediately. Um, and like, you know, I know that you know the same deal. It's like, you're like, you know what? I have enough fuzz pedals. And then like somebody you like comes out with a brand new fuzz and you're like, well, I could always use this one too. And you just resign to knowing that you're going to buy another fuzz pedal on top of the 10 fuzz pedals you already have. You know, there's a lot of people. I mean, it, it, I look at it like this. There's a lot of people who spend their money on a lot of dumb things. And uh, I would say most people, at least uh, in, you know, in the States, they at least would like to or do spend their money in a silly way, in some way, form or fashion. Not all their money, and I know everyone's in a completely different situation, but just kind of on a general thing, we all spend money on stuff we don't necessarily need. And um, this is the avenue that I've chosen. Some people choose golf. Some people choose hunting. Uh, some people choose, uh, you know, cheeseburgers, which yeah. I guess I, or, I take part yeah. in that one too. But Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like food. It's like I've, I've said it for the longest time. My entire adult life, all I've spent my money on is food and gear. Like, yeah. that's basically it. It's like I have a very impressive gear collection and I eat, you know, all the time with stuff that I like and I indulge cravings a lot. But like if you were to like be like, oh, you know, so what kind of car do you drive? I'm like, I drove the same car that I've driven for the last 10 years. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's it. I'm not going to I don't need anything fancy. It's weird in the areas that I'm like, I'm super willing to go way cheap on areas that other people or most people would want. That's where they would want to spend their money so that I can save money to do the things that I like to do. But it's like, I'm like, like, I'm like, oh, those pants are like 30 bucks. But what what's what's what about these ones for 14? Yeah, I know these look like dad jeans, but I can I can get through that. You know, I just need pants. That's all yeah, I need. Exactly. It'll be fine. My dad like is the person that buys himself everything he wants whenever he wants it, like to a a horrible degree. Um, but he's like, and then he'll be like, "Yeah, I bought this new gadget, or I bought this new like this new cargo trailer to lug stuff around in." I have two ATVs, but he buys like Costco jeans because he does because that's the same thing. He's like, he doesn't <laughs> care about what pants he's wearing. He wants to play with all his toys. Yeah, I like that good stuff yeah so what is does i know you just said it changes all the time but uh well you've got your your pedal board kind of dialed in for the mercy union stuff so what's that look like um so i've gotten it to like a a 
essentially like a form and like some pedals like switch in and out, but it, it's basically held um, the same relative form for the last little while since I got the RGM Mastermind uh, PBC, uh, the 10 loop one. Um, I was looking into loopers because like I very, you know, kind of solemnly realized I'm not good at tap dancing. Like I'm not good at like trying to switch two effects really quickly or like bounce between presets or it's just like I'm not that coordinated and I get distracted and it it never works out the way I want to. So I was like, you know what? I, I kind of want to go down this road of loopers so I can change all the effects at once. And, you know, the programmable ones, you can change the the presets on like through MIDI. And and so I was like, you know what? I'll uh, I'll start looking into that. And I saw the RJM. Uh, and I was kind of familiar with them because of Jimmy Eat World. I, I actually the tour that I left the Mercy Union record to go work on was for Jimmy Eat World. Um, so I got to travel with them for two weeks, and they're like my favorite band of all time. So it was very surreal and cool for me to be there. And um, but they use the RGM like foot controllers for the Axe Effects um, for live. So it's like I saw how easy and how like good they looked. Um, so I let, I was leaning towards that and I got a pretty good deal on one. So, uh, so that's basically the, the foundation of my board is the mastermind. Um, right now it's, uh, I have like a little, um, XTS like junction box for my ins and outs. Um, just so I don't have to like fish into the actual looper. And, uh, so the XTS box goes to, uh, VP Jr., which goes into arguably my favorite pedal uh, of recent history, which is the Solo Dallas Storm, um, and uh, which is basically like a recreation of a of the original like guitar wireless preamp um, that this guy Phil, uh, who owns Solo Dallas, like he's obsessed with ACDC, and his goal in life was to recreate like the back in black highway to hell tone and he found out that part of the tone was aside from like an sg into a marshall was this schaefer vega wireless system like the tower for the wireless had this like preamp in it essentially to cut down on signal loss and the tone it gave it like enhanced the tone of the amp so angus used it in the studio and used it live until they were obsolete basically um, and so he made replicas of the tower in like tower form and pedal form. And it just kind of acts as my like tone enhancer, like preamp for the whole board. Uh, Cause it just like, I like that ACDC, like cranked up British tone is like my favorite. Uh, like that's the tone I love. So I, I was like, I have to buy this. Uh, and so like that just like kind of enhances the whole thing. And then I have a, an analog man, mini by comp which is the best uh, comp best compressor I've ever owned and ever used. Uh, and it's so simple and just sounds great. Um, that goes into the MX, the sex, like, and these are all like in individual loops basically. So it's like the next loop is a MXR um, a custom audio electronics booster, like the line booster. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like my standard, like kind of clean boost. Uh, and then the third loop is shared by two drives. Uh, right now, it's the um, Beatronics Overhive for like a subtler, um, like darker, like drive tone. 
and then the Greer uh, Lightspeed. Um, and then that kind of gives me a little bit more bite and I can kind of push the gain on it a little bit more to have a little bit of a higher gain without like really saturating the tone. Um, and then uh, the fourth loop is a, is a J-Rocket Archer because I, I, I had the JHS modded Soul Food as like my clone for a long time and the Archer just sounded better to me. So uh, it kind of took the spot. And then, um, then I have like, and so, and then after that, in like in between loops four and five, I run the TC Electronic Sentry as my noise suppression. Cause I, I play, you know, either Gretsch's like that are hollow, or I play, now I've been starting to play Jazz Masters, which are, you know, kind of noisy. So it's, it's been, uh, you know, a necessity to have it on the board at least to turn on and off when needed. Um, and I put it there so it doesn't like choke out the trails or the modulation effects and stuff like that. Um, so then like, it's just, uh, I have an, uh, MD 500, the boss, like modeler, um, which I shot out with the Mobius and I just liked better. Uh, cause I like the boss modulation sounds. Of course. Um, uh, and then I have the, um, I have the, uh, JHS milkman as like my slap. Um, Cause I have like a couple songs that I just want a good slap tone and I don't want to have to drive it too hard. So I like having that little boost on there helps just like keep the, the volume up. Um, and it has, and it sounds good. Uh, and I have the Caroline Kilobyte love Caroline and like pretty much everything they make. I I'm a big fan of, uh, and the Kilobyte uh, is honestly now the, the only is like the oldest pedal in terms of, of ownership that, I still use and has never left my board. Um, and then I have, uh, I just got the Walrus Audio Slow, um, which is phenomenal. Like, it's so cool. Um, and then I run um, the, uh, just a, a Timeline and a Big Sky. Uh, and then the MD500 Timeline and Big Sky are all connected through MIDI. Um, so they do program changes on the fly. Uh, and I just program everything into the to the mastermind. So like every song has a setting for each part of the song, and uh, I just kind of go, well, it's the chorus. Here, it's all the effects I need for the chorus. And oh, this is the bridge. This is all the effects I need for the bridge. And um, so yeah, that's that's the pedal board right now. And I'm sure like the drives will change, and I might swap out like the milkman or the slow or you know who knows. But like. The staples are really like the timeline, big sky, storm, uh, and the kilobyte. Like those, pretty much will never leave. It's it's like you've got the the structure of the board pretty much dialed in. The individual pieces might swap out occasionally, except for a few. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's really when I say that I set up a new board. Like every time I play, that's kind of what I mean. I. I it's it's basically structured the same, but it's like, which reverb am I going to use? I'm going to use one of these ones, you know, type of thing. It's less it's less uh, like non-traditional and and all that. When you see me like set up a, a table full of stuff, that's when I'm getting weird. But if it's like yeah. on the floor, it's pretty traditional for the most. Part. Yeah, exactly. And and like so um, we were touring in the UK in the end of May. Um, and before our first show, uh, our gear was stolen. Um, uh, yeah. So like 
I'm the like I don't know if you can tell already, but I'm the guy that has like backup cables, backup power supplies, backup like you know everything, everything we need. I have like I I'm always that person. Like you know, on the North American tour we did in the spring, like I had stuff I never touched the whole tour, but I had it just in case. You slept. And so, uh, so literally, like we went to uh grab lunch in Camden in London and we parked the van in a uh like a grocery store parking lot that had CCTV cameras and we're like yeah it should be fine and Jared and I threw our backpacks in the back of the van where you couldn't see them um but somebody was watching and knew how to break into that specific van and uh got into the van and literally took everything of mine so like my clothes toiletries medication uh you know, guitar, pedals, um, you know, like everything I brought was gone. My laptop was gone. My passport was gone. Uh, and now like, you know, just to clarify, since then, we have completely been okay because people who like the band and our friends and uh, just like they kind of came to our rescue without us asking. Uh, they just kind of like set up you know, crowdfunding for us. They set up like just, you know, reposting the list of what was st- was taken. Like they just basically were in our corner and said like, we want you to keep touring. So like, don't stop. Um, so like it's been fixed, which is great. Um, but for that tour, I had a very, very weird and simple setup uh, that I've never used before because we had to like borrow things and, uh, we were like, uh, actually our, our friend Ian Perkins, um, called in a favor and got us in touch with Fender over, uh, in London. And, uh, they loaned us a backline for the rest of the tour. Oh, wow. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So like we, they were, you know, the guy, uh, at Fender was like, you know, so here is, a American performer jazz master. Is that okay? And I'm like, yes, it's okay. You could have handed me like a ukulele and I would have been fine because <laughs> like you're loaning me a guitar after my guitar just got stolen. Uh, and then like, I had like a twin, uh, one of like the 65 reissue twins. And then he gave me as a gift, one of those um, full moon distortions. Oh, those are um, great. Yeah. Like I was blown away by like how versatile it was. And then also like the, the boost on it, like the post gain boost is arguably the most effective boost I have ever used in my entire life. Like I had that thing set on two and it like it it skyrocketed. It was so amazing. Um it was a there was a learning curve to it for sure, but like it was so cool to like know that I was just gonna cut through for like solos and stuff like that. Um so like when I got home from that from that leg of the tour, like we had a home, a week home in between where like basically instead of me like relaxing, I like went into a total recoup mode and I like bought back stuff on reverb and just like spread it around credit cards and like just to like get myself back to zero. Um, the guitar that got stolen was a Telecaster that I had like put together. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like, but, and, but in a weird way, thankfully it was the guitar I cared the least about. Um, like I was, potentially going to take a different 
uh, like a cabernita that I had put together that my grandfather carved uh, like a design into. Oh, man. Um, which I like, it's like he carved into it. It's named after my grandmother. Like, you know, it's like I was about to take that. And had I lost that, I would have been devastated. Um, so it's like I lost this telly that I couldn't get back. So I was like, well, I, I want like another like Fender style guitar. And I was really liking playing the Jazzmaster. So I got one of those like Mexican 60th anniversary ones that came out like last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was great. It played great. Um, I'm putting a little bit of work into it to like make it like really great. Um, but I would realize like, you know, instead of me having like, you know, all my good pedals off my board thrown in my backpack and then like those being abroad with me, cause I lost both of my Strymons and I lost like the storm. I lost a bunch of stuff that like I is like very crucial to like my normal rig. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to put together like a little board, like a little, simple board for flying for just and i can fit in my carry-on like it literally fits into the portion that you can zip up and it just stays there with the cables and i don't have to worry about it so i basically just shop deals for a long time like you know i just found cheap stuff and uh just like grabbed whatever i could for that week and then i've kind of since i've been home i've i've made it evolve so it's like now it's like yeah it's like a, a tu3 an ns2 uh I have another storm for that for that board. Um, I got one of those Emerson uh, Scranton screamers, which is an amazing uh, tube screamer. It is so good. Um, and then uh, I got a DD five hundred for like really stupid cheap. Uh, and so that's on there. And then uh, one of those J Rocket Boings for like an actual for just for like a reverb in case the amp that I'm using doesn't have reverb. And like, but that's it. It's like, I just need, I need a couple drives. I need a delay. I need a reverb. That's it. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but that's, that's really all I quote unquote need to like a few, a few different dirt sounds, like a drive distortion and fuzz reverb and delay. And I'm going to be able to do most of what I do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, it's a, it's a, not everything, but most, or it's like, this will get me by. It's not like, yeah, I'd like to have like a really good chorus on there or I'd like to have, you know, another gain stage, um, which I was trying to fit on there, but I couldn't, uh, you know, it's like, I'd like to have, you know, a number of things, but like end of the day, like I'm going to be playing a borrowed amp in a foreign country and no one's going to care. So it's like, this will get me by. Do you do you have certain dirt pedals that so I always have this kind of weird thing where I I like AC style amps I like AC thirties they sound really cool but also there's in for me and how I run things I've always found them to be particularly picky with dirt pedals and so if I was putting together and I know this almost never happens but if I was putting together a a dirt rig like a small dirt rig that was going to cover any backline I'd be like what if they give me an AC thirty what am I going to do uh, but that probably never really happens. It's probably mostly fenders and oranges and stuff, right? Well, what's funny though is like it's you. You're kind of wrong. It's like on our German run, I was using a twin again, just because like I, I had no time or patience to be like I'm going to argue what kind of backline we get. I'm like, no, I don't right. care. Just give me whatever. Uh, but Jared got an AC30 um, for for that trip, and uh, he was running uh, his like 
Ryra Clon clone that he had gotten to replace the JHS one that got stolen uh-huh. um, in front of that uh, AC-30. And it sounded great. It was really great. And honestly, funny enough, uh, the full drive two in front of an AC-30 with like the, the, the gain cranked, uh, I, I played that rig like an AC, uh, AC-30 full drive two cranked with a Les Paul with P90s in it when I first joined Let Me Run uh, because it was what was like a lot like basically what was sitting around and that is one of the best like crunch tones I've ever had is that combination excuse me um, but honestly like I because I'm I'm like you I, I like AC style amps as well like I I you know, I'm I lean more towards British tone for sure. Uh, like I have six amps now, which is I, I think about it and it kind of makes me sweat and like makes me have like a turn in my stomach that like, why do I own all this stuff? You know, because uh, don't worry about because, it. yeah. Um, yeah but like most of them are uh, EL84 based circuits. Uh, there are two EL34 circuits and there's one 6L6. So it's like. You know, and the, you know, all three EL84 circuits are kind of like, in ways, like hot rotted AC kind of style amps. Um, and it's like, I find that, like, I actually, I watched one of those, like, Pete Thorne demos uh, where he, like, broke down, like, what to do and not do with dirt pedals. Um, and, his basic like thesis for the whole thing was like, look, like I'm not saying like what, you know, that what I think sounds good is what you think sounds good. But like what you shouldn't do is think that like every pedal set the same way in front of every amp set the same way is going to sound the way you want it to. Um, he was, so he was basically like, he just AB'd like, this is this pedal in front of my amp doing this. And it sounds like the drive tone I want, but I put on this pedal with the same settings, which is a similar pedal and it doesn't sound that way. So I have to find like the weird mixture of settings to get it to close to where it is under a different set of circumstances. And so like, I kind of take that philosophy into like using a borrowed rig. Like the twin was hard because it was, because I'm so used to having an amp that has a little bit more of a natural breakup and that amp was so clean uh, that like I was kind of diming out the drive I was using uh, just to get the Jazzmaster to sound, you know, distorted in any way. Um, but like for, you know, under a pretty standard set of circumstances or if I'm playing an amp that has a little bit of breakup, like I can kind of make any dirt pedal work to the degree that I need it to. And then with my personal rig, it's like I tailor everything together specifically for how i want to sound uh because i have the opportunity to so i I really don't think like yeah like there are pedals that don't really work in front of certain amps and stuff like that like a, a ts9 in front of that twin did not sound very good um but like overall like in front of a vox like i haven't had the same kind of issue yeah, and I mean, it could be due to like a little bit of an experience thing because I, I I had an AC style amp here for a while and I really liked it. But there again, only only like three of my overdrives that I had really worked really well with it, I thought. Um, and and I don't I don't know what that is. I think it's it could be just something that uh, I'm used to American flavored amps 
my my Bensons are kind of the unique animal and I play those all the time. And so it but they respond, at least to my ears, they have enough input headroom and enough uh, enough. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, they, they hold the bottom end together well enough that I can hit them with just about anything and hear what that pedal's doing. But yeah. I think that might because might be because I just I play those amps all the time. That's like 99 percent of what I play. And so when I switch to something else like an AC, which I don't think does have quite as much headroom, uh, it it throws off my game. And so it could be just that talking. Yeah. Plus, like the Benson's like I have never personally used one, but from everything that I've kind of gathered from, you know, witnessing and researching, it's like they seem like great pedal platforms um, because of like that low end retention. Um, Like. For me, again, like I kind of just like the sound of a cranked up British voiced amp. So like when I was checking out the Bensons, like they didn't really strike my fancy because I just kind of like putting, you know, I, I roughly like transparent overdrives or clean boosts in front of my amp tone. Like that's all I really want. Uh, I don't want to really like have the pedal be the sound. I just want it to kind of give me the next level of what I'm looking for. Um, so like that's another reason why I think it works so well with like those kind of AC style amps of what I'm doing is because like, I want to hear the amp more than I really want to hear what the pedal is doing. Um, because to me, like, you know, and this kind of carries over. Cause like I, you know, I mentioned it to you before uh, when we set up the podcast, but like, um, you know, I, I've been working with this company called Somatone for almost 10 years, you know? Um, and Jimmy who owns Somatone is a wizard. He's, one of the most extraordinary people uh, that I've ever met through like music and gear and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of like conversations we had, cause like I, I worked in the shop for a minute and he taught me how to do guitar maintenance and some simple like amp maintenance and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of the talks we'd have would be like, you know, why would you buy this amp and then put like a, just a dirt box in front of it like you know why would you buy this like marshall jcm 800 and then put like a you know ds1 in front of it like that doesn't make any sense you know you want the sound of that amp so just like use the sound of the amp because like that's what that amp is for um and so i kind of again like it's like these little philosophies i kind of just carry along where there's like yeah i've gotten way more um interested in using pedals and way more accepting of pedals being a characteristic of my tone. But more often than not, I want the amp to sound like the amp and I want to like in a, in a perfect world, I would be running three amps for different tones and blending things and using the dirt pedals much more as accents as, as instead of like the running tone that I'm using as like a rhythm tone. Do you tend to run your drives and stuff into the front of these amps or in effects loops? How are, how are you doing these? Uh, I don't have to. No, I will. Four of my six amps don't have effects loops. So I, okay. I've, I, I never use them. Um, I run pretty much everything always in front of the amp. Because like, yeah, like the, you know, I could probably use the storm through an effects loop because it acts as more of a preamp. Yeah, I could probably put the delays or something like that through the effects loop to keep them from being colored in whatever way. But again, like live, like I'm not going to hear that. Like I'm just not. Like 
So it it like it doesn't it it's an extra piece of effort on top of all the other effort I put in that I don't really want to have to do. Um, but yeah, like so you know the really it's like I'm pushing the front of these amps, and that's what I'm trying to do. That I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I I pretty much go in the front of amps at all times. The only time I go into the effects loop, and like I said, most of my amps don't don't have effects loops either. But I do I do use it with the the Benson Vincent um, because I like to get if I'm using that amp oftentimes, unless I'm just like trying to show off what a pedal sounds like or something. I really like the the drive channel on it, uh, which is why that whole thing came to exist in the first place. Therefore, because I like that drive channel, I have to use the effects loop for time based stuff and reverbs and whatever. But uh, it's really the only use case for an effects loop that I've become a big proponent of. It's like when you like the drive tone of the amp, if it has an effects loop, that's when I like to use it. Otherwise, I'm 99.9% running them in the front like you are. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's these things that we just have to do out of necessity because it's like, you know, it's like, do I want to have to use like literally well you know four different gain stages to like make things sound the way i want them to sound like ideally i wouldn't like i wouldn't have to use all of those like in staggered combinations like ideally i would have you know my um somatone roaring 40 and the the most recent one i got the slick 18 which is the earl slick model um and I would be running those connected as two halves of my like dirty tone and then running um, my Overdrive 75 uh, Somatone, which I just got back from being modded and is amazing. Uh, it is a completely new amp and it like does something that the old pre-modded version did not do. Um, and that would basically be my like more clean tone. Um, and then I would run the pedals in front of those amps again like just as accents but i can't bring three amps to our shows like it just doesn't make sense so like i'm going to use the slick 18 because like it's light and small and i only need 18 watts really um and i can kind of put a lot of stuff in front of it and it's going to get the sounds that i want out of it for the show so when you when you're talking about like ideally you'd be running three amps like let's just pretend let's just pretend you're playing Madison Square Garden tomorrow and you can do whatever you want like what 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 is that going to look like how are you going to connect all that what's this dream rig situation so yeah like it's literally like the Roaring Forty and the Slick Eighteen would go into I have one of those uh, Lele Little Duels okay so, okay so I, would, I was wondering how you were going to do that I was like what? yes. So I'm gonna. So the the mastermind has dual outputs that you can program which outputs are on per preset. Okay. Um. So I would connect the two dirty amps with the little dual, and then run the out of the little dual to output like A, and then I'd run output B of the mastermind to the OD seventy five. So the you know, depending on, and then I would program the presets to be like, well, this part is just like chugging along rhythm tone dirty. So I'm going to use, you know, output A. And then this part is like, you know, a little bit more clean. Um, you know, this is like an, a, a clean arpeggiated like reverb part. So I'm going to do output B. And then like, oh, I want to kind of like add some thump 
to uh you know like a riff so i'm gonna put all three on at the same time yeah um because like even with like so like the od75 the mod on it that jimmy just did aside from like changing some components and making it an overall brighter bolder amp so what if you so if you're out there and you're interested in somatone and you want an od35 or od75 uh you're basically going to get this coming standard now um so no need to get a mod done um but he basically like made it brighter and bolder and then added a, a knob on the back of the on the back panel for you know what he calls the grit knob so normally like on his amps they're all single channel class a hand wired um most of them are point to point um the slick 18 uses a very uses a very simple board uh, but it's still hand wired and and uh there's very little use of the board um but it, they're they're all like you know you turn the preamp volume up and that's your gain so it's like you know and you, and all the amps like you know you can kind of go from pretty pretty darn clean to really crunched up and saturated depending on where you put the the preamp volumes um but with this mod with the grit knob you can turn the preamps up to where they would be like crunchy and saturated and then turn the grit knob down and it retains like the presence and the volume and the bold like character of the preamps being up but it has none of the saturation so like i'm 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 getting this really amazing clean tone without a without you know uh, without having to crank up the master volume and having the amp be too loud um but still it's like i want a little bit of, of grit in my clean so i keep it at about halfway so i have some like if i slam a chord you hear the the breakup um because i want that like that's i like, even when my we know even when i'm going clean i want it to be a little bit dirty that's right that's right like yeah. gear man dude says yeah by clean i mean kind of dirty which is one of my favorite things yeah exactly well so yeah i just be like those three amps as a wall like literally i have them set up in my basement studio sort of room as the wall that i would want them to be on the stage oh um, man that's yeah. awesome that's fantastic. Well, we are at 52 minutes and I, I feel like I feel like there's some congratulations in order. I really do. I, I feel like this might be the most on topic episode that I've had maybe ever. Oh, wow. Perhaps ever. I can't remember uh, the last episode. Maybe maybe it was the one with Richard Hoover from Santa Cruz Guitars where it was a very that was an acoustic based episode. Really good episode if you guys haven't. If nobody's listened to that one, go back and listen to that one. That one is super informative. But I feel like this is the most we've talked about gear on an episode solidly for a very long time. So, hey man, I came here on a mission, so it's like getting to talk about gear is why I'm here. You've done it. You've you've yes. successfully created the most on topic tone mob episode in recent in recent years. For sure. Sweet. But continuing that trend, we've got a couple questions to wrap this episode up. Oh, I know it's coming and I'm 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 prepared. Okay. All right. First one. What's your favorite boss pedal? Okay, so this was like a it took me a minute to think about this. Um my first instinct was to say the MD five hundred because I it's the one I've used the most, um, especially recently. 
like it's been a staple of my board since I got it. Um, but I want to say that my favorite boss pedal is the PS3, the um, pitch shifter delay. Uh huh. Um, because way back in 2007, I was not an apt pedal user. Like I had like a like I had like a you know I think I had like a tube screamer uh, like deluxe or turbo or whatever those are like the TS9 DX or whatever yeah. that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I had like a tuner, and I think I had like a chorus. I I forget. I had very little. Um, and I ended up playing in a band with uh, a friend of mine, and he was like, you know, you should really get a delay pedal. And like you should expand your board to give it a little bit of depth because I was playing like leads and like kind of atmospheric lines similar to what I'm doing in Mercy Union, but not as proficient. I would I would hope. Um, and so I ended up getting a DL4 for pretty cheap, and then I got and then he gave me the PS3, and it was so cool. It was so cool. Like I didn't think that it should have done the things that it did. But it like gave space and it added a texture and it, it was such like a weird pedal that when I eventually had to give it back to him, like I was kind of sad. Like, and I like, and then it fell by the wayside where I haven't gotten one since and I don't really have a use for one now because I have like the slow does that to a degree. Um, I have one of those um, old blood noise uh, dark stars, which does it to a degree, like, you know, a pitch shift kind of like reverb or delay. Um so I don't really need one, but like as a singular, like just straight up boss pedal, I think the PS3 is probably my favorite as a, in terms of how it sounds and what it does. You're not the first person to bring up the PS3. And I have to say, I've never tried a PS3 and I'm starting to feel kind of dumb because it sounds all kinds of like my business. Like, yeah, it's just, you know, you want a little bit of sparkle on that delay and it's like, there you go. I have the Mr. Black uh, Transportal which is kind of the the same idea, but I think it's I think it's more extreme. Um, I don't know if that pedal's made anymore, actually, now that I think about it, but I'd love to compare those two. I'm, I'm going to get a PS3 pretty soon. Maybe I'll do a little video with it or something. You've inspired me. Oh, great. The PS3. Please tell, please tell your wife that I did not directly influence a purchase because I don't want anybody to be mad at me. I'm going to tell her that you told me you would stop listening to the show forever and tell everyone it was really bad if I didn't buy a PS3. That's what okay, I'm I guess I'm on the hook then. <laughs> um, so last episode or last episode, last question. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Okay, so being from New Jersey, you are automatically privy to a higher quality of pizza than elsewhere in the country it's just a fact it cannot be argued like you have access to the best pizza in the country because you know i will say philly has a good slice or big tastes pretty good uh but obviously it's like new york pizza is right there you know um i even uh my relationship with pizza also is pretty vast but i used to work in a kitchen at like a um like a pretty like neapolitan style pizza place um more recently than not i was i was in the kitchen um so i know how to make myself a a solid neapolitan pizza um 
But I will say, if I am like, I just want a pizza, like I want, like if I'm just craving pizza, it's like straight and I'm home, uh, there is like a number of pizza places uh, on the main stretch in like the college part of town um, that all kind of do the same things. Uh, but recently I've been getting uh, just like a mushroom pie uh, that I just add a little like red pepper to um, from Jimmy's uh, Pizza uh, on Easton Avenue in New Brunswick um, because it's a solid, simple, good pizza. Um, now, like if I'm in the middle of the country and we need to get like chain pizza, Domino's all the way. Um, oh, I feel sure. too. Yeah, like out of the, out of the chains that aren't taken bake, I think Domino's is the winner, especially yeah. within the last like seven to eight years. Remember, there was a time like early, you know, in I mean, maybe in the mid to early two thousands, where Domino's was kind of it was about as good as Little Caesars. Yeah, uh, it was it was like eh, but the minute that they like started doing like the five ninety nine deal for like the medium pizzas. Like and they did like the garlic, parmesan like seasoning on the crust, sold, completely sold. It changed, um, didn't it? Yeah, it changed the game because like I like because so like there's people like who are like oh you know like if like I want a cheeseburger and if you're like you know and you mentioned like Wendy's they're gonna be like how dare you like I want like a real burger like mm-hmm. and to me it's like yeah like. I don't consider Domino's pizza. I consider it Domino's. So it's like when I'm home, there are just days where I'm like, you know what? I'm craving Domino's. Like if I wanted pizza, like I said, I'd go to Jimmy's. But I want Domino's today because I want that crust and I want cheesy bread and I want like that's what I want. Um, And I will say this controversial as it may be, but I am a pineapple on pizza person and I get really. I get really upset when people are like, how dare you like pineapple on your pizza? It's like, I like salty and sweet as a baseline flavor combination. Like, you know, like chocolate covered pretzels or like, you know, like pepper jelly on, you know, a sandwich or something. It's like, I like the salty sweet combination for sure. And like, since I kind of started drastically reducing my, my meat consumption uh, over the last little while, um, like I still eat meat from time to time, but like I'm just trying not to do it as often. Um, pineapple and garlic, like fresh garlic, um, on a pizza, amazing, delicious. Here's my thing about pineapple on pizza specifically. Actually, not specifically. It's not that I have anything against salty and sweet. I love chocolate covered pretzels and candied bacon and things of that nature. I specifically don't like pineapple. I don't like pineapples by themselves i don't like them out of a can i don't like them i don't like most pineapple flavored things there's a few beverages i can get behind but for the most part i just don't like pineapple and that's why it ruins my pizza see that and to me that makes perfect sense like i you know so like for instance if i'm having like you know a burger of any real sort um veggie burger classic burger turkey burger whatever um i'm pretty down with like a nice little smattering of caramelized onions. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. you put onions on my pizza, I'm going to throw it out because I hate onions on my pizza. Like I just don't like it. I don't like how it is on pizza. And like, 
same thing. It's like, I don't want raw onion on a salad. I don't want raw onion on like a hot dog or a, you know, a sandwich. Any like, no, like it has to be like sweet caramelized onions and a little bit in the mix. It can't just be like onion on something. Like I don't want it. And like, I used to be that way. When I was when I was a kid, I was like 100% like I hated onions. And now oh, yeah. there's a, there was a switch that flipped about 10 years ago. And now I love them. It doesn't make any sense. I can't make See, any rational sense out of it. I was the anti all onions as a kid, too. And then like sauteed onions and like sauteed mushrooms and and things like that open doors. Because I always like mushrooms, but like doing like the combo of like sauteed mushrooms and onions on a steak, like... Mm-hmm made it made like definitely changed uh, a vibe for me but yeah it's like so it's like i understand if you don't like pineapple then yeah you shouldn't put it on your pizza like i don't like plain old onion i'm not gonna put it on my pizza but like the people who go like pineapple is not for pizza it's like well like tell me that you have never eaten like a chicken bacon ranch pizza or like a you know penne vodka pizza or like something ridiculous that has a ridiculous topping on the pizza and enjoyed it like there you could put anything on a pizza and someone's gonna enjoy it like legitimately like i've put weird stuff on pizza in weird combinations like ricotta cheese chili oil um you know peppers olives like all this like weird stuff mixed together and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It's fine. You know, it's just like, I'm just, you can literally throw anything on a pizza and one person or another will probably think it's good. Yeah, I do. I do understand. And I don't know if it, I don't know if the pineapple pizza qualifies for this. I, I tend to say no, but I, I do think there's an edge where you, you start becoming not pizza and it becomes like a pizza's cousin type of thing. Or, or like, for instance, I've, I've only had this once, but I had a, a clam pie one time mm-hmm. that, was really really good but to me in like retrospect it wasn't really pizza it was almost like a different form of clam chowder is really what yeah it, like. it was it was its own thing and there are definitely like situations where um i you know like i said it's the same way of like the Domino's versus pizza thing like if you start altering something to a degree like it doesn't become you know the the original idea like when i i used to Right out of high school, I went to Providence College for a year, um, and I like traveled back and forth all the time for band stuff. So I ended up, you know, transferring out just for that reason. But I loved the school and I loved being there. Um, but there was no good pizza there. There was zero good pizza there. Um, there was like maybe one semi decent place, but it didn't deliver to the school and it wasn't open very late. So the only place that did deliver to the school and was open late was this place called Golden Crust. And uh, it the crust itself tasted like a day-old Pizza Hut breadstick. Um, yeah, it was like, it wasn't great. And like, I remember I went back to visit one time and a friend of mine was like, yeah, we're going to order Golden Crust. I'm like, how? Yeah, I'm like, you're from Yonkers. How do you eat that as pizza? And she's like, it's not pizza. It's golden crust. And literally, it's like, yeah, you're eating this weird pizza-like thing that you put blue cheese on. And then because that enhances the experience in some form. And then that's what you're eating. You're eating golden crust, pizza-like blue cheese delivery system. 
like that's it. It's pizza product. It's American yeah. processed uh, pizza product. Yeah, it's like when you get like craft slices and they have to legally say it's cheese product or like cheese substance because it's yeah. not actually cheese. It's cheese-esque in some way. Yeah. Well, we've been at it for a while and I haven't at all got you to plug your band or talk about where we can find you or any other kind of thing you might want to put out on the internet. And this is your chance to do that. Where can we find Mercy Union and yourself and all that jazz? Um, so me, I'm just Rocky Catanese on everything like Facebook and Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat at all anymore, but, uh, but Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. If you try to follow me on Twitter, you're just going to see me repost liberal political articles and complain about the government. Um, so that's a fair warning. My Instagram is much more fun. Uh, uh, the band uh, Mercy Union is just Mercy Union on Instagram. I think it's Mercy Dash Union on like Twitter and Bandcamp and stuff like that. Um, uh, but yeah, like our, we have a record that came out last year called The Quarry. Um, I would suggest for anyone that doesn't know the band or hasn't listened to it, um, I I am super proud of it, and uh, I think you should listen to it and check it out and let us know what you think. Um, we are doing. Um, show with the lawrence arms at the beginning of august in jersey what and then yeah it's a uh, us in the lawrence arms i think one other band uh at the place crossroads in jersey which is like kind of our little clubhouse at this point with uh the good old andy diamond he like books all the shows that we play there when we play there um and then uh so we play with them there august 3rd that's my birthday we... is it really yes and lawrence oh, arms man favorite bands of all time so mentally i'm there but i don't yes they be there unfortunately well i will i will definitely send you at least a a, a video or two yes. as a birthday hello um and then uh in the fall we're doing like four shows or five shows with dave haas in like the middle like midwest northeast kind of region um mm-hmm. all those shows and stuff like you can find on our socials and stuff like that um but yeah just if if you listen to the record and you like the band like come say hi come to a show and we are pretty like you might not see me uh very quickly because i'm usually packing everything up uh like in terms of gear and i'm like cleaning my guitar and stuff like that and then i try to come out um but like everybody else is pretty much like right out to the merch table and like hangs out as soon as we're done playing so so yeah that's the band cozy mercy union if you like me talking about gear You'll get to see it live. So there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Dave's amazing too, by the way. I'm a big fan of his as well. So that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. What's funny that. too is that like Dave un- unwillingly or unintentionally has pl- like I've played pretty much most of my firsts of the last like, I don't know, like eight years with Dave by like complete coincidence. Oh, wow. Um. Yeah, like my first, one of my first shows with Let Me Run was with Dave. Um, my first show ever playing under just my name was with Dave. My first show playing with Rocky in the Chapter was with Dave. Uh, I think my first show with Jared as like this band, even before we were called Mercy Union, was with Dave. Uh, yeah, like we've played with Dave like randomly for like all these like weird firsts a bunch of times. And That's- it's like... So it's it's kind of just like perfect that we get to play 
a bunch of shows together as like Mercy Union. Um, you know, we uh, just as like a quick aside, like when we were on tour with Laura Jane Grace in the spring, um, we played Toronto on on a night. The next night we were in Montreal, and then the following night we had a day off to come back towards Toronto to go to Buffalo. And on that day off that we had, Dave was playing in Toronto. So um, we decided to like get a hotel in Toronto and go see Dave. So we like went to Dave's show and then like both the mermaid and mercy union, we just went out to dinner afterwards and like talked and hung out and, you know, Tim came back with us and we watched game of Thrones and, you know, it's like, it just, it just like, I really genuinely like Dave and that band as people, you know, aside from all of the music that we've shared and, and we play together, but like, they're just really wonderful human beings. Awesome. That was a great, great to hear. Uh, it's nice when you, you know, have musical people that you look up to that you hear, you hear good things about instead of the other way around. Cause sometimes, sometimes things can get a little weird sometimes, but Dave's always seemed really cool. And, uh, it, it, you know, next time you get to talk to him, you can tell him that some random guy on the internet has, uh, pirated the germ like one of the old German shows that he played on the revival tour. Like I don't know, probably close to ten years ago at this point. And uh, I ripped the audio from it, and I've listened to his section probably almost more than anybody else's. It's a, it's a great performance. So that's awesome. Yeah, I will definitely pass the the note along. Well, Raggy, thanks for coming on. This has been a whole bunch of fun, and uh. I never I'm, I'm never very good at wrapping these up, but I feel like this is probably as good a point to wrap it up on as any. Well, thank you, Blake. Thank you for having me on this wonderful podcast where I got to ramble about gear. I loved it. I loved it. You gave me some things to chew on, some things to try and things to think about. So thank you for that. Of course. Uh, everybody, make sure you check out the band Mercy Union on every platform that you can. It's a great band. Um, I've really, really, really been enjoying the record. So. Uh, good job, everybody. Good job. And as always, folks, for Rocky, this is Blake. Good luck and good tones. Okay, we did it again. We made it through another week, and that's great. That's all That's all we can really hope for, right? Is we, ma- we made it through another week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about at this point. But I do know this much. There's another hour and a half of conversation that Rocky and I had. And if you want to listen to more of that, you can slide over to patreon.com slash tone mob. You can check out the various levels. If there's one there that appeals to you, you can go ahead and subscribe. And at $5 a month, that's that's only 5 bucks a month. It's really pretty low. You get extra episodes every week. And sometimes that includes uh, extended interviews as it does this week. Sometimes that actually has included some 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 demos lately. I've been doing some some audio demos of a few different things, and it's kind of an interesting format, I think, where you can really kind of it's different than having video because you can just really listen to it, like kind of critically listen. I've been recording everything uh, with uh, in stereo and really trying to get as accurate of a picture for what that effect sounds like. I've done I've done a handful of those. Those have been pretty fun. I've done uh, episodes where Mr. Justin Porter comes over and we just hang out and talk about the goings on in the gear world. So we've done all kinds of different kind uh, different forms of content rather over there. 
So if more auditory mobbery is something that you need, that is the place to go. Uh, you go to www.patreon.com. Do you have to say www anymore? I don't really know. I'm kind of old. You go to patreon.com slash tone mob and you can see all of that there. And a big shout out to all the patrons. They help keep this thing on the rails. So, yes. So if you want to become one of those people and get extra content and extra other things as listed over there, that is the spot to go. Okay. Until next week, I'll be in Nam. So that's it. But thanks for listening. I really, really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.